<laughs> Love you more. <laughs> All right, um, all right, so we, we've been talking about unrepentant sin, the quiet thief. We talked about that last week and how, you know, a lot of times we're um, uh, unintentionally probably being cheated from some opportunities to be in God's presence. Uh, I'm going to give you a few stories, and then I w- I w- I'm going to get into some stuff today. Uh, so there's a young man, and, and he commits a crime, Gerard. He commits a crime. Uh, he gets locked up, and his parents let him sit in jail for several days after he gets locked up. All right, when they finally bail him out, he is angered and vows to, uh, she just reminded me of something. See, we, we, I know, I took a swig. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Some cayenne pepper in here, so, so my bad. Sorry about that, babe. You Okay. For those that are not here, Pastor Mel just dropped everything and had a spillage because she drank the wrong tea. Okay. All right. So, so as I said, the young man, uh, he's locked up because he committed a crime, right? So a lot of times you commit crime, you what? It's fine. It'll be okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you go to jail, right? That's a possibility, right? You think? Uh, but his parents could have bailed him out right away, but they let him sit for several days. So when they finally bailed him out, he was angered and vows to never speak to them again. All right? Because they let him sit for several days. Uh, there's another story. A young lady is told not to stay in a relationship with a guy that the parents thought wasn't good for her, okay? She alienates her family and leaves home to live with him. Well, eventually he breaks her heart and she asks to come back home. Her parents let her go from house to house for about two weeks till they finally brought her back to the house. She was angered and vowed never to speak to them again. All right? So you have a, you, you have a, a young person new to getting a vehicle, just got a vehicle purchased for them, right? And so they were constantly warned, change the oil, change your oil, change your oil. Whatever you do, change your oil. If you don't change your oil, your engine's going to lock. Change the oil. But they never changed their oil. And... Um, so finally, they get stranded on the freeway early one morning because what? The engine locked, right? The parents take their, time, take their time to come get the person. Let them just sit on the freeway, you know, in their car for a while. Guess what? They got angered and what? Vowed to never speak to them again. Now, now three stories. Young man committed a crime. Who committed the crime? <laughs> Trina said he did <laughs> right he committed the crime right the parents didn't get him out of jail right away let him just sit in there for several days okay and then when he's when they finally come get him he decides never to speak to him now what's so interesting about the story is some people go what kind of parents are going to let their kids sit in jail for several days believe it or not 
Oh, you was you was thinking that? Yeah. You said you would leave them there? <laughs> um, but there's a lot of parents that couldn't even sit at home with their parents with their kids sitting in jail for an hour, let alone for several days, right? And so these parents, and, and, and some children, some other, some other friends would be like, I can't believe your parents did that. So they'd be okay with the child not speaking to the parents. But the child not speaking to the parents, why? Because the parents let them sit for several days, right? How did they get in jail? They committed a crime, right? It's so interesting um, we deal with God like that. We deal with God the same way. Sometimes we make decisions. God has God clearly gate told us what not to do. We'll make a decision. We get stuck. We don't get bailed out. We're angered at God, and we vow never to speak to him again. Right? So sometimes we get into bad relationships. So the young lady got, she was warned to leave the relationship, right? She didn't listen for whatever reason. I've done it, right? Um, and I felt the pain, <laughs> right? But you, you feel the pain, but you feel people should just relieve you. But they did all that work before you experienced the pain, right? By trying to get you not to keep going down that trail of that relationship, right? And she got mad and said she'll never speak to her parents again. We do the same thing with God. We get into a relationship. We get hurt. And then we're looking at God, well, why'd you let this happen? Right? Same thing. Uh, we're told how to take care of the things that we have. We don't. They break. They, they mess up. We get mad with God, right? But we didn't. We were operating in negligence, correct? Right. See, uh, let's look here at Ephesians 5. Because we've been talking about unrepentant sin, the quiet thief of our lives. But Ephesians 5 is going to help us together with 2 Peter 3. But Ephesians 5, and we'll lock here on verse 17. Ephesians 5, verse 17. Familiar scripture to some people. And this is after he said, walk circumspectly, Right? To walk circumspectly means to be intentional in everything you do. So if you out here, <laughs> I don't know about that. If you out here goofy, not paying attention, you're gonna you're gonna make a lot of mistakes because you're not intentional. If you're out here smoked out, high drinking, it can blur your vision. You're gonna you're gonna mess up some things, right? And so, but the scripture says walk circumspectly. So that means be intentional in everything you do. You know, I was talking to my granddaughter about a business. I was like, foundation first, right? Me and my grandson, we've been working out all week. Foundation first. Foundation first. The detail. We've been talking about the details, right? Right? So, so 5.15 says, see that you, that you walk circumspectly. Look, the Bible says, not as fools, but as wise. So, so the, the wise people are, are intentional with everything they do. Fools or just whatever happens, happens, right? Then verse 17 says, wherefore, uh, no, verse 16, I'm sorry, says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time means maximize your moments. 
Take advantage of every moment. You ever like make a big mistake in your life or, you know, so we could use the relationships, we could use the, the engine blowing in the car or we could use the person that got locked up. That's my close to me got locked up. They actually had to now be intentional to recover from that, to get their record response, to reset their lives. You see what I'm saying? They, they, so they wasn't intentional to make the mistake, but they got to be intentional after. They just can't keep basking in, oh, can't believe I did that. Why is that happening to me? You can't keep doing that, right? You actually got to now start to get a grip on yourself and start to be intentional, right? So this is saying maximize your moments because the days, the days are evil. Like days don't wait for you to get yourself together. Time just keeps on moving, right? You can waste time. You can waste years of high school. You can waste years of college. You can waste years of your life when you could be taking advantage of each and every moment of your life, right? And now verse 17 is what we're going to highlight. So after he told us to be intentional, he told us to maximize our moments. Then he says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So one of the ways I'm intentional and one of the ways I maximize my moments, I want to understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, well, Pastor Keith, you've been talking about uh, unrepentant sin. How does this fit? Well, let's go to 2 Peter 3. We'll see how knowing what the will of the Lord is fits into uh, living a life of repentance, right? When you slip, not when you jump into sin. Let's hope we don't do that, right? When you slip, because, you know, we have slipped. Anybody here slip, made a mistake, and did something you know God's not pleased with before, right? But you don't stay there. You don't pretend it away. You don't go, well, it'll be all right. No, it's not going to be all right because there's consequences for every sin, right? It's not all right. You got to do something about this. You can't just go, well, he probably loves me anyway. You taking that chance? If he come today, you taking that chance? You taking that, that, that fire chance? All right, so 2 Peter 3 uh, and... Oh, I'm in First Peter. I'm sorry. In the wrong chapter. Second Peter 3, verse 9. All right, so we want to understand what the will of the Lord is. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Now, again, let's, let's look at that. We just finished talking about walking circumspectly and maximize your moments. But it says God, does, God is not slack. He maximizes every moment. Everything God does is intentional. God doesn't waste any time. Even if you mess up, he'll work that out for good too. Like God is not slack, but it says here, he's not, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness or laziness. But look, 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 but it's long suffering to us work. So, you know, people give God a hard time, but God is long suffering. Very, look, it says long suffering. He's very patient, not willing that any should perish. So the will of the Lord is for nobody to perish. So if people perish, it ain't God's will. It's our choice, right? It says, it says uh, not willing that any should perish, look, but that all should come to repentance. So what's the will of the Lord? For no one to perish, but that all should come to repentance. I think sometimes people stop at God doesn't want nobody to perish, so they do things and they go, well, I'm good because God don't want me to perish. No, 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 no. 
Right after that, he said what? But that all should come into repentance. So everybody has to repent for their sins. Now, repentance is not I'm walking towards sin. I realize I'm wrong. I say, Lord, forgive me, and I'm still walking towards sin. No, repentance is an action. I'm turning away, and I'm going in a different direction. I'm not doing the same thing I've done before. Repentance is not, you can ask forgiveness all the way to hell. Because if you don't re- turn away, you just, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I ask the Lord to forgive me. It's getting hot. Ooh, it's hot. Man, it's getting hot. Ooh, it's getting hot. Ooh. Forgive me all the way to your burn. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to Ephesians 4. <laughs> Ephesians 4. It's hot. That ain't menopause. <laughs> All right, so Ephesians 4, 22. Ephesians 4, 22. Now, again, understand what the word of the Lord is. It's written in his Bible. So, so, so this is amazing how we try to go, well, I ain't know. It's right here in the book, right? And these days, the Bible is free. You can get it on your app. You can get it on your phone. You can get it anywhere you want, right? Bible's free. Just like information. You can go to the library for free. free. How many people go? You see what I'm saying? Like you can get all the information you want for free. Now you can Google it. You don't even got to go to the library. I I read something today. It says, since you believe everything you read, why don't you read the Bible? (laughs) Because people believe everything they read. Well, then why don't you read the Bible, right? Some good reading, right? All right, so Ephesians 4, 22, it says, it says that you put off concerning the former conversation. What that means is the the former manner of living, how you used to live. Uh, My grandchildren got baptized, so the old man went down, the new man comes up. So that means I'm putting off how I used to live. So now when I'm dealing with people, now now I don't roll like that no more. So when I put off the old way of doing things, God's like, hey, hey, so we're going to go get something to drink. I was like, I don't drink no more. Are you serious? I was like, I don't drink no more. Man, I had a little drink, ain't going to hurt nobody. I don't know who it's going to hurt. I don't drink no more. Man, there you go, man. You trying to be all, I don't know how I'm trying to be. All I know is I'm not drinking. So you can come up with any category you want. I don't drink. You know, hey, you want to hit this? No, I don't hit it. No, I don't smoke no more. Man, come on, Keith, you serious? You the one that had us smoke? No, I don't smoke no more. Like, you ain't hitting this. Then then after a while, they'd be like, yo, man, pass that, man. Keith ain't hitting it. Pass it. (laughs) Right? Because I'm not doing it no more. I'm putting off old things. And then after a while, I had to come up with a, a way to talk to people, you know, because, you know, you know, peers can p- pressure you, right? And so I had to figure out a way. So I just, you know, the Lord has always given me, like, different ways of looking at things. So I said, I know what it is. I'm not going to, because if I make it feel like, y'all crazy, then I'm going to get even more heat. So I, so I just took it the other way. I said, man, I just, I just cut out some things and you guys still doing them. I said, I can't handle that no more. Y'all might can handle that, but I can't handle it. I'm done. And eventually those people started changing too. See, if, if I really care about the people I'm around, if they're really my friends, then I want to go closer to God and help them to come closer to God too. Because when it get hot, I don't want them getting burnt either. Right? 
So I'm putting off uh, some things that I used to do. So it says, uh, it says that uh, put off concerning the former conversation, or that, that means manner of living, how I used to live. It says the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. So say lust deceives us. It, on the front end, it says, oh, this is pleasurable. It feels good. And the whole time it's our kryptonite, right? So it says, it says hey, hey, put off that old man because it's constantly getting corrupt, corrupted. Remember, we were, talking about the, uh, uh, we were talking about the dream where you're flying. And I was, I was explaining to them that uh, they were getting a, a visions and dreams of our future because when we put on the incorruptible body, we can fly anywhere we want. And so just about everybody's had that dream. But you're seeing where you're going. See, you, you don't, when you don't have a, a, a corruptible body, it's not uh, limited by gravity. See, a corruptible body is subject to gravity, right? But an uncorruptible body is not bound by any limits, right? And so this says take off the corruption, the things, as my granddaughter was saying, uh, the youngest one last year, she said she was carrying weight before baptism. After baptism, she said it was like everything was lifted up off her. And we were talking the other day at the table. She said, you know, everything is smooth, right? <laughs> right? And so, 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 so that's the thing is when you take off the corruption, you put off the old man. Now, they went down in that water. You put off the old man. You don't pick that person back, pick up the old man again. Now you just drag it around the weight. Why get rid of the weight to pick it back up? You know, that's like why get healed to do something to damage your body all over again? Does that make sense? All right, it says verse, it says verse uh, 23, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, that's different from Romans 12, 2, that says, be renewed in your mind. Renewed in your mind is I agree to change. Renewed in the spirit of your mind is my default, is what I do without thinking about it. So when I was real, real young, I told you all this before, when I was really young, when I used to shoot, I used to make the shots here and there, but I used to shoot like this. You know, I just stick my leg real forward, lean back, and shoot like this. I'm a little dude, so I, so I, so I needed so much strength. To, I needed my whole body to maybe make a shot. And somebody taught me how to shoot right. You know, Tony elbow reaching the net. You know, we was going over this today. Well, when I first started doing it, it wasn't my habit. I was comfortable with a jacked up shot. I liked it and I was comfortable with it because I was used to it. But when they told me the new shot, I had to go through the agony to, to, to develop a new habit. And I saw, so I did it over and over and over so I can do this without thinking about it. Like without breathing, I do this, right? Right, we were shooting today, without, I, it's what I do. But, but now it's my default because I'm renewing the spirit of my mind. It's the spirit of mind, that's my default. And that's what I'm saying. I put off that old man. Now I got to take on new habits. Now I got to read the word every day. I, I got a new diet now. I got to pray now. You know, instead of drinking uh, wine, I'm drinking of the spirit now. You see what I'm saying? Instead of just... Uh, listening to uh, Facebook, I got my face in the book now. You see what I'm saying? My whole flow is different because I'm trying to renew my mind. I spent a lot of time on this, this, these three scriptures, but 
It says, after, it says, and put on a new man, which, I'm sorry, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It says, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, when I have the new man, when it says after God, my appetite is God now. The old man's appetite was the world. Even when I try to do right, the old man will pull me into doing wrong, right? This is what, this is, see, when I, when I renew my mind or when I put off the old man and put on the new man, which y'all did today, that's repentance in action. See, because when they went down in that water, that's different from the life you're living. That's attaching your faith to the things of God. You see what I'm saying? So, so now I'm turning away from the old and turning towards the new. And that's what young Nolly was saying. She was like, oh, no, no, I was living a weight life. Now I'm living a smooth life. <laughs> right? Just a smooth life, right? We all need to get the smooth life, right? Maybe y'all need to sit down with Nyla today and find out how to live the smooth life, right? Right? And see, so, 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 so now I, I, I don't carry around these things like when Aiken carried that, uh, carried that accursed thing. See, an unrepentant person knows that he or she has sinned, Right? So the person that's unrepentant knows that he or she has sinned and refuses to ask God for forgiveness or turn away from the sin. The unrepentant person shows no remorse for their wrongdoing and don't feel the need to change. So they know they've sinned. They was like, man, people sinned. Everybody sinned. See, so, but you're still not repentant. Man, I don't believe all that God stuff. Okay, so what you going to do with your sin then? You just going to keep carrying it around? You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I worship another God, right? Okay, you worship in another God, but does that God send his son to die for your sins? Did you figure that out? Right? See, the unrepentant, unrepentance is the sin of willfully remaining sinful. Unrepentance is the sin of willfully remaining sinful. Unrepentance is the sin of willfully remaining uh, sinful. And now willfully doesn't necessarily have to be a a fight. You know what I mean? It could be, you know how we try to hustle in life? We can think we're hustling God. You know, like, 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 you know, we can be dismissive with sin. Man, Man, ain't nobody perfect. I don't know whether people are perfect or not. You're going to still hold on to that sin? See, see, that's not the conversation. The conversation, you know, you start talking to somebody about, hey, you might want to stop doing that. Man, ain't nobody perfect. That wasn't our conversation. We're talking about that sin. You done changed the conversation to perfection. You done threw a diversion so we don't address that sin. You don't feel the conviction to change. As soon as we feel conviction, we got, we got all of our excuses. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Well, I, well, I'm not passing sentence on you, but we still need to be talking about that sin. See, that's the thing. We go, see, there you go. You think you, you Mr. Holy, Mr. Holy. I don't know what I think, but that wasn't a conversation either. We're talking about that sin. You keep changing the conversation to, I think I'm perfect. Nobody's perfect. It don't take all that. I ain't hurt nobody. You got all these list of things. Now you finish? Now let's talk about the sin. 
And I'm not talking about the sin to condemn you. I'm talking about the sin so you're convicted to repent. We talked about it last week. All we got to do is repent, turn away, make a choice. Wow, it's hard. It's hard to turn away. The person broke your heart. Where are they at now? You turned away, didn't you? Oh, you have the ability on the inside of you. Oh, the person rubbed you the wrong way. You cut them off. You was hanging with them all the time. What happened to the relationship now? You turned away, right? They, they embarrassed you. They, you, you, you. You came and you showed up late for the party. And when you showed up late, you got to the door, you heard your name. And when you heard your name, you noticed they were talking about you. And the people that was talking about you thought was cool with you. You didn't go in. You turned away and went home. And never hung out with them again. So you have the ability to turn away, don't you? But we can't turn away from sin. We can turn away from people. We can turn away from friendships. We can turn away from embarrassment. But we can't turn away from sin. Oh, no, it's in there. Now you got to use it, right? See, we got to realize people that are unrepentant are unrighteous in God's eyes. I want to be in good favor with God. And, 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 and somebody might say, well, what kind of God would look at me that way? He's not looking at you. He's looking at that sin. And he's going, you going to hold on to that? Like I can see God rolling up on you. So, right, well, first of all, stay over there. Because if you come anywhere near me, I'm 100% perfect. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm omniscient. Right? I'm omnipotent. And I'm omnipresent. So that means I'm all-knowing. I'm all-powerful, and I'm everywhere. If you come anywhere near me, I'm 99% perfect. So that means I'm not all-knowing. There's, there's 1% of stuff I don't know. That can cost somebody their life. I'm not all-powerful. I'm 99% powerful. If you come near me, well, that 1% can affect millions of people's lives. I'm not everywhere. I said I will never leave you or forsake you. I might have to forsake that person because now I'm at 99. So I can't let your sin come around me. But I hear you calling me. And soon as I send Jesus for you to repent and accept him in your life, you run it. I'm just sending Jesus to clean you up so you can come in my presence, in my presence of fullness of joy, in my right hand pleasures forevermore. I'm trying to bless you. But as soon as I see you, like, no, no, stay over there. What you going to do with that sin? Oh, you ain't bringing that in here. Uh, uh, we'd be going to the airport, right? And, you know, uh, uh, one day my, my wife had a bottle of water, and she had just opened it. And they was like, where you going? Oh, no, you ain't bringing that here. You throw that in the garbage. Like, you know, is there something else? Like, they don't even give you, you can't negotiate. Throw it away. And then if you got something over four ounces, oh, no, 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 no. That, that's not, you can't take that. You just throw that in the garbage. They don't care how much you pay for it. It could be expensive perfume. It's going in the trash. It's not coming through into the terminal where you go to the next level, where you elevate. So when you come into God's presence where you get to elevate, he's going, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to throw that in the trash. No, you can't bring that in here. And we be just like, oh, no, it ain't that big a deal, God. <laughs> ain't that big a deal to you, but I mean, it ain't coming nowhere near me. I don't do sin. That's what God's saying. I don't do sin. 
So now you can keep telling yourself, well, God just loves me. Yeah, I, love, I, I loved you before you messed up. I loved you before you was born. So that goes without saying. But you show, I love you enough not to let you come around me with that sin. You see what I'm saying? But, th- but that's not a punishment. We can repent. Right? All right, let's go to Matthew 5. Does that make sense? And stop hanging around with people that's excusing your sin. Hang around people that, don't, that, that make you not want to sin. Not people that's going to make you comfortable sinning. Suppose Christ shows up while you're in sin. No, no, think, think, think. I want y'all to just think. Suppose, why are you, why are you in it? I, I just said in it. I didn't say where in it was, okay? I let y'all use your own imagination. That's better than what I'm going to come up with, right? While you're in it, Christ shows up. The Bible says when he shows up, there's going to be one person with another person. One person going to be taken away and the other person won't. You willing to take that risk? I can't hear you. I can't. Where's, where's all my amens? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where we at? You willing to take that risk? Some people said, no, but you're doing it now. Out there in TV land. (laughs) No, I'm not willing to take that risk. But what are we doing? Right? How do you know he ain't coming that day when you decide to play? Yeah, I got to keep stopping dry. Let let it soak in. You know what I'm saying? Let that soak in. Let that soak in. All All right. Uh, Matthew 5, 44. Matthew 5, 44. And I think this, uh, let me make sure. But I say unto you, love. Okay. I, I have the Amplified Classic Version. Okay. I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic Version. A-M-P-C Version. You know what the A-M-P-C Version is, right? Almighty politically correct. I'm just playing. That's not, that's not what it is. I just made that up just now. That's not, that's not what it is. <laughs> that's just jokes. That's not, is that what it says? I didn't know that meant that. <laughs> All right, it says, but I say, I say to you, love, that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may show yourselves to be children of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on those who are evil and on those who are good and makes the rain fall on the righteous, those who are morally upright. So righteous are people that are what? Morally upright. And the unrighteous. Now listen for the definition for the unrighteous the unrepentant, those who oppose him. So he's saying the people that don't repent oppose him. You see that? And they are unrighteous. It says, for if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, you, do even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessing and peace, what more than others are you doing? So if you just do the same thing everybody else is doing, why are you a Christian? <laughs> right? It says, it says uh, 
It says, do not even the Gentiles who do not know the Lord do that? It says, you therefore will be perfect growing into spiritually spiritual maturity both in mind and character. So that's what perfection is. Growing in spiritual maturity in both mind and character in your core. Actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly father is perfect. So when it says be perfect, it says I'm growing spiritually, right? In my mind and how I think. Remember when I was a child, I spoke as a child, thought as a child, but when I became a mature male or female, I put off childish things. So now in my mind, I don't think like a child. I don't think self-centered. It ain't all about me. It ain't all about me being comfortable. I think outside of myself. I, I don't, I'm not just frustrated with people. Children are. When I'm mature, I seek to understand people. When I'm a child, I'm easily offended. Everything offends me. Every time I turn around, man, that made me mad. That's what children do. When you mature, you seek to understand. It makes no sense. It may be frustrated. Maybe they were upset that day. Maybe they're going through something. Maybe they didn't hear me correctly. What did you hear? Because according to your reaction, you must not have heard me. <laughs> And then based on what they say, oh, no, that's not what I meant. See, when I'm maturing, but we try to label ourselves as mature, we still are childish. Every little thing bothers us. And in character, this is who I am at my core. You see what I'm saying? Then it says, if I'm a, as I'm growing, I'm actively integrating godly values into my daily life. Actively integrating godly values, not worldly values, Right? So this repentance is changing our mind, resulting in changing our actions. Changing my mind, but that's not enough. That's not enough. We ain't going to just change, change how we think or mental assent or we agree. Our default is changed. You know I've changed because of what I do, not just what I say. Right? Now I'm kind of walking in this repentant, repentant life. Repentance opens us up to the Christ life, right? And the salvation that that death has afforded us. It opens us up to the Christ life. Let's look at Acts 11. Acts chapter 11. Repentance opens us up to the Christ life. I mean, think about it. That's how, we, that's, that's how I came to Christ. I came to Christ because I had to repent. I had to change my mind and my actions, right? I had to stop smoking and drinking, right, and all the other things I was doing, killing myself, right? And I had to change my actions. And it, and it was hard. I had to go through the agony first. Then it became my appetite. Then it became my desire. Just like when I, when I was getting smoked out. When I was getting smoked out, it wasn't something I was doing before. I had never done before, Right? It started, it started the process, and then it was like my norm. Smoking and drinking was my norm, right? So then, for me, I thought I was doing it for a good reason. I was lying to myself. My cousin looking at me like, what kind of good reason? Yeah, but everything we do, we got a reason for, right? And we call it good, you know. I mean, I had a pretty, pretty cerebral-type thinking mind, and... What, what happens, I went through so much 
and I went through so many extremes and it was causing so much chaos, I have a choice. Do I still want to live in the chaos or do I want to change? And, I could, and, I, and at first I was waiting for somebody to come rescue me. But I could hear God going, you don't need nobody rescue, you just need to repent, you need to change. And when you change, now take some steps towards me. And the more you drink of me, the more you'll flush out what you've actually taken in. And more and more, I start losing the, that, 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 that taste. You know, like when I start drinking water all the time, I lost the taste for root beer, right? When I start drinking the word all the time, I lost the taste for the world. But it ain't going to happen by osmosis, as we keep talking about, right? Like me just sitting around and, yeah, any day now, I'm going to change. That's like saying any day now, I have a million dollars. I'm just sitting around the house. I got to do something, right? Does that make sense? All right, so Acts 11, verse 18, it says, uh, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, uh, it says, then has God also, it says, then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance, what? Unto life. Repentance unto life. Repentance connects us, us to the Christ life. Right? See? God has granted us repentance unto life, right? Acts eleven eighteen, 18, right? And then it says, God commands all of us to repent and have faith in Christ, right? So to be unrepentant is not to trust the Savior of our sins. That's pretty serious. And there's major consequences for that. If God's saying, hey, I understand you guys have slipped into sin, it was facilitated by Adam and Eve. They created an atmosphere. Got it. Okay. He says, so I sent my son. All you got to do is accept him, repent, confess your sins. He's faithful to forgive you of the sins, cleanse you of the unrighteousness, but you got to attach your faith to his death, burial, and resurrection. And we still ain't doing it. And I'm, I'm, when I say do it, I'm not talking about lip service. I'm talking about truly embrace Christ and now start to make that the appetite for our life. You know, the scripture tells us to repent and, 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 and be baptized into the body of Christ in Acts 2.38. Tells us to repent and be baptized into the body of Christ. You know, we talk about in our baptism class, there's three baptisms. Of course, they did water baptism today. Um, but even before that, there's a, a baptism into the body of Christ where you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are submerged into the body. Then there's the baptism where you attach your faith to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? That's water baptism. And then there's baptism into the Holy Spirit where you accept the Holy Spirit in your life and he infills you and submerges you and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Three different baptisms. This is talking about repentance gets us that first baptism into the body of Christ. We're supposed to be submerged into the body, not talk about Jesus and still be submerged into the world. Buried in the world. So buried, nobody can find you, right? All right, let's look at Acts 17 since we're in Acts. Because I like to give you chapter and verse so you can study it out for yourself. We're talking about unrepentant sin, right? The quiet thief. It's still in our life with Christ. It's still in our fulfillment. It's still in as Nyla has quoted the smooth life, right? It's still in the smooth. Everybody wants a smooth life, Right? And when I say smooth life, the way she, did, way she quoted it, it was 
the opposite of that weighty life, walking around with all that weight. And I know I want the smooth life, <laughs> right? That's what I want, right? I don't want to be careful. I keep jumping through hoops, you know, always under pressure, trying to keep up with everybody. Um, I watch Nyla. Nyla ain't trying to keep up with nobody but Nyla, <laughs> right? That's that smooth life, right? I think I'm playing. All right, so uh, verse 30, Acts 17, verse 30. It says, and the times of this uh, ignorance of God winked at, right? And, you know, there's times where we've been ignorant. You know, think about the root word of ignorant is ignoring things. But, but to be ignorant is I'm living in ignoring things. <laughs> it's not a visit like I live there, right? So it says, uh, at the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So it says at a certain point, God kind of like, I understand they've been in sin, but I understand my son, through generation after generation, you've had more an opportunity to change and repent from living this life. So he says, now, so, I, so at a certain point, he says, okay, I understand. Then he shifted to, all oh, y'all need to repent. And we know he sent John, he sent Jesus, remember? When they showed up, they was like, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent <laughs> for the kingdom of God is at hand. So, so whatever the grace period you, you probably had is over. Like, you got to repent of sin. You can't keep playing around with sin. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. We've talked about it around here a lot. It says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, men find it in their heart to do evil. See, because they don't see the consequences right away, they think they got away with it. But, but again, remember, God is long-suffering and patient. He's given us, he's, the Bible says he's slow in the shadow of turning. Uh, that, that, that example is back in the day, they didn't have watches like we had. They used the sun. They had sundials. And so as the sun was moving, the shadow would be slow in his turning. So it compared God to how God... See, uh, my wife was teaching on uh, mastering your emotions. And one of the things she talked about is, is having the ability to respond, not react, right? Right? Don't just, <laughs> you know, every time something happens, don't just jump because most of the time we're going to make a mistake, right? Well, what she was basically saying, be slow in your shadow of turning. Because there might be, see, you might react and you could be missing something. You might jump to a conclusion and get offended, and there might be other details that you, you haven't picked up because you've missed some things, right? You know, it's like you show up at class, you miss all the other classes, you'll be like, well, I don't understand why we don't talk about this. Well, we talked about it in the last three classes. So instead of jumping to the conclusion, ask some questions, be, be slow, respond. Don't get all worked up, right? What the, what the Bible says, the sentence against the evil work is not executed speedily, meaning God doesn't sentence us quick. Why? He's given us an opportunity to repent. But if we get that hard, stiff-necked heart, oh, no, 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 no. There's, there's the, why would God be slow to exact the punishment? You hard. You're not even open to repent. You're, you're trying to excuse repenting, right? See, the unrepentant remain unsaved until they turn from their sin 
and embrace Christ's sacrifice on the cross. The unrepentant remain unsaved, right? Until they turn from their sin and embrace Christ's sacrifice on the cross. The unrepentant, as we talked about earlier, they're stiff-necked, stiff-necked. They have a stubborn spirit that makes them unresponsive to God's wisdom or correction. Y'all think correction is a bad thing. The Bible says he corrects who he loves. He chastens who he loves. Correction is, is, is trying to wake you up to repent. You get numb to correction. I remember a young lady when I was in Newark, she was abusive to her daughter. And she used to beat her daughter with anything next to her. She'd just grab it. And so, so this went on for years. The daughter kind of grew into like 15. By the time she got 15, one day she was hitting her with a broom. She's wailing. And that girl wasn't crying. And when, and when she got tired, the daughter looked back and said, you finished? You just saw the look on the girl's face. Scared, frightened her. Because she realized at that point, this girl, no. There is nothing I can do to affect her. And that look, you know, because this was, this was a nice little girl, but after about seven eight years of being abused, now she got callous. Well, sometimes we get callous towards God, right? We get callous towards God, so we don't even receive the correction. The correction is trying to show us, hey, 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 there's sin there. You need to repent for it. That's all it is. It's not punishment, correct. Root word is to correct something. I worked in corrections. The process is to change people. And every level, the first, you know, first level is a group home level. You're going to have little groups. They're going to talk to you. We had these little special normative culture groups and stuff like that. You just got in trouble. We're trying to change you. Well, some people don't receive it and they don't repent, change their behavior. So they go to the next level. And that's a minimum facility. A minimum facility um, it's, a, it's away from population. Group home was within your city, you still go to school, but instead of going home, you go to the group home. Now you go away to a minimum facility, it's, you know, it's just away so you don't have access. Well, if that doesn't work, they put you in a medium facility. Now there's a fence. So you don't even get to, to, to roam out. You're, you're fenced in. If that doesn't work, now you go to a maximum for youth, and that's barbed wire. Like, that's saying you may try to escape. But when you get to that level, that's their last-ditch effort of rehabilitating you or changing you, getting you to change. If that doesn't work, they, they bound you over to the prison system where now you're not even a name, you're a number. All, that, all those other levels, you're a person. You're a person at all those, levels, all those levels I worked at, we dealt with people. Go to prison, you're a number. And what they're saying is there's no hope for you at that point. This is what's happening here. God is trying to correct us. We're getting numb. And if you get stiff-necked, you don't realize there's a point where there's no hope for you. You don't you you box God out of your life. All right, uh, Proverbs 29. I just like to give you what the Bible says. I just wanted to lead into it, but these are not my opinions. Huh? I can't box God out of my life. God is always going to 
keep knocking at the door no matter how much I spit on them and reject them. Not the case. All right, Proverbs 29.1. Proverbs 29.1. I'm reading out of the King James Version. It says, he that being often reproved, that's constantly being corrected, right? Hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. So so, so I didn't make this up. This is the Bible is telling you this, right? Because after a while, like you, you don't want to get it, do you? You want to burn. Hey, let me get out your way. Let you, let you get hot. All right. So Romans 2, 5 and 6. Romans 2, I'm sorry, 5 through 9. Now for this particular section, I'm going to read this out of the NIV version. The NIV version. Romans 2, 5 through 9. Give you a minute to get there. Romans 2, 5 through 9 says, Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. So in other words, you're building up wrath that's going to attract wrath. It says, when his righteous judgment will be, will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done to those who by persistence In doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. You see that? Judgment is near. See, this will be beautiful for the righteous, but the consequences of the unrepentant will be harsh. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, and again, it's, it's, we have choice. See, some have, have become so numb to sin that even when judgment day comes and the three uh, levels of judgment, which we call the tribulation period, that won't even pull them away from sin. The scripture says, I'm going to let you write it down, Revelation 9, uh, 20 through 21. Revelation 9, 20 through 21, and Revelation 16, 8 through 11. It's talking about how through the, each level of the tribulation, people got harder and harder. The Bible talks, it projects people going to go into the lake of fire. Do you understand the tribulation periods are some of the tests are for people to wake up even then to repent, and some people still not going to repent. That's what I'm saying. You can get so hard, you just going, with all due respect, you're going to hell. That's what the Bible says. You can get so hard and callous. See, the tragedy is that even as some people are experiencing, experiencing the horrendous consequences of their sin, they will continue in a state of unrepentance. And, and, and how this happens is the unrepentant always fall into what we call presumption or the overconfidence trap. 
So some of them are evil, but some of them always fall into the over. It may not going to happen to me. The Bible says in, in uh, Psalm 14.1, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So they got so overconfident, man, please, man. People try to scare you with judgment, man, ain't going to be no. And try to scare you with hell, man, ain't nothing going to happen. I ain't worried about it. Man, I'm, I'm going to party. Man, I'm, when I go into hell, I'm going to party. Ain't going to be no party in hell. The Bible talks about everlasting torment. Weeping and gnashing of teeth won't be no party. Matter of fact, the things that you lust for are not available in hell. So a part of your torment is you've trained yourself for lust and, and appetites that can't be quenched at all. That's like an itch you can never scratch. That's like a fiend that will never get satisfied, right? But you in hell, you'll live in eternity with that, you, you know how sometimes you just, you, you just got to get a scratch, but you can't, but you're in eternity, you can't even get a little bit of a relief. Oh, it's all torment. But, but that's not a bad thing. That, that shouldn't be scary. You can repent. Right? Isaac said yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to read Psalm 14 in the Amplified, in the in the uh, almighty, clearly uh, correct version, and PC version, right? I'm going to read 1 through 4. Psalm 14, 1 through 4. I just like the way he said it. I even like the way he opens this up. Remember he says, remember the King James says, the fool is said in their heart, there is no God, right? Right, this says, the empty-headed fool has said in his heart, <laughs> there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable deeds. There is none that does good or right. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any who understood, dealt wisely, and sought after God, inquiring for and of him and requiring him a vital necessity. They are all gone aside they have altogether become filthy. There is none that does good or right, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread, who do not call on the Lord. So it's saying not only are these people operating in unrepentance, they're they getting people, recruiting people for their team. They're influencing other people to be callous towards God. See, the unrepentant, live in a state of disobedience to God, not obeying his call to repentance. And, and, and this is where the overconfidence comes in. Remember, the sentence against evil is not executed speedily. So the overconfidence comes in because a lot of times we think when everything is going our way, we think that God is with us. Everything going our way isn't necessarily God. Everything going God's way is God. Not everything going our way doesn't mean that God's on our team. And that's that sucker move. You think, well, you know, things, things are going pretty good, you know? I remember uh, years ago, I don't think he mind me saying this, but me and my son was talking because he, he kind of got, got a little out of focus. And so I'm, so I'm trying to talk to him. Again, I'm trying to, what, get him to repent, <laughs> change his ways. And he's like, well, Dad, you know, I'm still blessed because he was, when he was handling business, he was, 
he was on the road. Things was blessed. He's like, I'm still blessed. I said, son, let me break this down to you. What you're, what you're experiencing that seems like it's going your way, that's the residue of when you was doing right. I said, you're going to get some residue for what you're doing right now, too. This is coming, too. You know, but it's kind of, it's hard to see in the moment. You're like, things things ain't going pretty good. God ain't shown up burnt me yet. <laughs> you know, oh, no, no, you reap what you sow. There's a harvest for, for the things that we're doing, right? So remember, everything going our way isn't necessarily God. Everything going God's way is God. And, and, and this, you have to realize, remember, they have to give up something to set the trap. So the devil has to give you something to set the trap. Otherwise, you ain't going to go for the trap. If, you, if the devil's trying to entice you to live wrong and everything is crazy, fearful, scary, why would you go for it? If he's trying to get you out of your dreams and all the girls are ugly, that's what we're doing now? Man, I almost got my dream, man, but that ugly witch, man, she showed up. I just couldn't resist her, man. Man, she was ugly. That's what you're doing? It has to, the first time you get high, it has to feel good. Otherwise, you never do it again. And any veteran of getting high will tell you, you never repeat that. You keep chasing a carrot that you never get. It's a setup. I got to give you something to get you in. So I'll let you feel good this one time. And the whole time you'll be trying to repeat that, and it never happens while it's still in your dreams the whole time. That's why they call it a trap. Right? On the front end, all over relationships that, that broke our heart. They was good, wasn't it? On the front end. Well, it seemed like it was good, right? Probably wasn't paying attention anyway, right? <laughs> right? Right? But guess what? What happened? Like, if you really look back, it was more crazy than it was good. Well, don't look too far back because some of y'all might get mad. I don't want you to, I don't want you to like, get mad and stuff. <laughs> right? You're supposed to be delivered from that, right? All right, so, so James, James was talking about this the other day. They were talking about this in the victory class, Ephesians 6, 11, uh, putting on the whole armor guy, right? Uh, the Amplified says, put on the whole armor, uh, the armor of a, 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 of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. So, so the, the disciples' victory class tells you to armor yourself uh, James is breaking it down when he's driving. He's like, you know, like, like, put on that helmet, right? Right? Like, guard your mind. Put on that shield. Guard your heart, right? Guard your emotions. Like, don't just be walking like, doo, 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 doo. here you go. Like, we were talking to the grandkids about uh, a story I told my wife to finally get into that heart, you know, uh, of the queen in the castle. And I was out in the story, the queen, she, the, the, the uh, young lady, she just keeps going out, giving people her heart. <laughs> they stomp on it, uh, slam it. She run back in, lock the door, come back out, you know, uh, try it again. They, they, they abuse her heart, run back in, 
uh, lock the door, put some guards out. Do the same thing, run back in, lock the door, put some guards out and the fence up. Do the same thing, goes, comes back in, lock the door, put some guards up a fence and some other guards. Then I come along. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the king for her heart. Well, I can't get in because you got guards, you got a fence, you got another set of guards, and you got a whole castle locked up, right? But all that is because you just kind of was careless with your heart. You didn't go out with, a, with the level. You didn't guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. You just carefully went with your heart. So now the real person comes along and supposed to take care of your heart, but he can't even get in, right? Well, she can't even get in. Or most of all, God can't even get in. All right, let's end with this, this, this passage of Scripture here, uh, and we'll get into the rest next week. Even though I wanted to get into it this week, but I guess we're supposed to talk about it next week. First John 1. We're in here, First John 1. You know, and I know some people read the topic, unrepentant sin. As soon as they see unrepentant sin, ah, no, it's a good thing for us to find out what we need to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, as soon as they see anything to say sin or repent or anything, oh, here we go. Obviously, we ain't going nowhere <laughs> because you're running from repenting, <laughs> right? All right, so I'm going to read this out of the, the, the Amplified. I don't know if this is the classic. I think this is just the Amplified. So First John 1 and verse 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray and the truth which the gospel presents is not in us, uh, does not dwell in our hearts if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins. He is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything not in conformity to his will in purpose, thought, and action. If we say, claim we have not sinned, we contradict his word and make him out to be false and a liar, and his word is not in us. The divine message of the gospel is not in our hearts. See, the thing is, we just got to be honest with ourselves, recognize where we are in terms of our sin, and start to repent and turn away from it, right? I'll get into how this led to God starting out with John the Baptist and Jesus uh, next week. But that's all for today, so we can stick to our time. Any thoughts, anything you learned, anything that make you think about, or you challenged in any particular area? If you're online and you want to uh, share a thought or a comment, you can uh, put, your, put your TVs on mute, and you can call in on the call-in line at the bottom of the screen, or you can chat it in the chat, and then we'll speak it out here in our audience. And if you're in here and you have a thought, please jump on that mic and share some of the things that really were stirring up in your hearts that could benefit all of us. <laughs>